Um, <clears throat> first of all, I just want to say, um, uh, honestly, words just can't express how uh, much Angie and I have appreciated um, the fellowship that we've had with various believers here and um, just the use of the home there next to the house next door and the use of the vehicle, uh, the van to get around. And uh, just it's been so wonderful and and uh, we haven't seen most of you until today, but uh, we appreciate the generosity and the kindness and the love of the saints here at Boulevard Chapel towards us and, and so many others that come through the area. And so uh, we know the Lord honors that. We know that the Lord <clears throat> uh, will be no man's debtor and he will greatly bless you all uh, because of your kindness to his people and to his servants. And so thank you so much, so much for that. We head back. Head back tomorrow, Lord willing, back to Kansas uh, just for a few days. It's back and forth, and as the Lord opens doors of opportunity to share the word, uh, in a couple of weeks I'll be driving down to <clears throat> Arizona uh, to bring uh, Elizabeth and Jamin Peck. That's that's Elizabeth is our daughter, and of course you know the Pecks. I think uh, Brian shared a little bit about them this morning and their future plans. Um, they're going to be coming to Kansas for about uh, just a little over a month, I guess, um, uh, six weeks or so, um, and be with us, do some ministry in some of the assemblies out there in that area. But uh, in June, they go to an intensive training. Uh, Angie will be keeping the four uh, grandchildren. Angie will be keeping the four grandchildren. You heard me right. Angie will be keeping the four grandchildren. Um, I'm one of the typical grandfathers that I can stand them for a little bit, and then I'm ready for them to go home. That's the greatest thing about grandchildren. I tell people all the time, grandchildren are just like a boat. The best day of the boat is the day you buy it and the day you sell it. And the best day of the grandchildren is the day they get there and the day they go home. Um, anyway, I love my grandchildren, but um, yeah, anyway, I'm an old man, and I can't take it anymore. But anyway, um, she'll be taking care of the grandchildren. Um, Elizabeth and Jamin will be gone for almost two weeks. They've got to go for about um, oh, about ten days, I guess it is, eight or nine days. Uh, what they do is they, they take them through a kidnapping, uh, and it's pretty realistic, uh, training for, for that time. Uh, Primarily because of some things that have happened on the mission field, uh, different ones that have been kidnapped, and especially pilots uh, are in danger of that. And so it's going to be a pretty intense time. And so they leave the kids out of that. We're grateful for that. So they'll be with us. Uh, and then after that, they'll be going to North Carolina for a time. And then in the will of the Lord, they'll be heading out to Indonesia sometime in November. And so they have that clear now. Don't know exactly the date yet, but be praying for them uh, as they make the necessary preparations. And and I was telling someone this morning, those of us that have gone off to the mission field uh, know what that's like. You try to get your whole life down into a few pieces of luggage, and you take that over with you. And uh, it's difficult to do, but uh, I know that you all uh, pray for them, and we appreciate that, and I'm sure they do as well. Remember them especially in the next few uh, weeks and months ahead as they prepare to go there. So I'll be going down to Tucson to bring them back up to Kansas. So appreciate your prayers for that as well. I um, thought so tonight we'd look at Joshua chapter 14. 
And, and one of the things that I really like doing in my own personal studies, as well as just in ministering the Word, is I, I, I really like to do studies of different characters in the Scriptures. And, and I guess one of the reasons I like to do that is because... Um, <laughs> It takes the truth of God's Word and it brings it into a very practical realm. It brings it into the realm of men and women that have lived in this world just like you and I have, have lived in times of difficulty, of of trial, uh, lived in a world that is absolutely opposed to God and all of his all of his purposes all of his plans all of his values and they've lived out the truths of God's word in a way that just is an encouragement to me and I hope it is to you as well we're going to look at Caleb tonight Caleb's one of my one of my more favorite um, uh, people in the scriptures and I guess you know I have one grand 40 years wandering in the wilderness five years they've been fighting the Canaanites since they crossed over the Jordan River five years, he'd been fighting the Canaanites. And he says, here I am at 85 years old. Now, you'd think the next thing he'd say is, I'm ready for my retirement plan. Huh, I've been faithful all these years. I've fought these battles. Now listen, where's my retirement plan? Hand it over. You'd think that's what he'd say. I mean, that's what we'd say. Man, especially 85. We, we look at word at 65. But he was 85. Well, you know, it's time to retire. Time to go out and play some golf. Go out and go do some fishing. Go out and, 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 and just relax and, and kick my feet up and, and, and drink sweet tea. Southern tea. Now, let, I'm going to tell you about Let me tell you a quick story. I, you know, I'm from Missouri, okay? We're not really Southern, but we know how to make tea in Missouri, Okay? I was going up north one time, and I was in Virginia. My son Josiah and I were going up. I was going to speak at, at an assembly up in, in New York, in Rochester, where, where Andy, Randy Amos was. And uh, we got up. To, we got in Virginia, went and had some dinner, and, and you know we, had some, we got some nice sweet tea. Then we got on up a little bit farther up into Pennsylvania, and I said to him, we'd like to have some sweet tea. We don't have any sweet tea. We've got unsweetened tea that you can put sugar in. Well, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> You cannot put sugar into cold tea. All it does is sit in the bottom. That's all it does. You can't make any, any sweet tea. Sweet tea, you gotta, when that tea is still hot, that's when you've got to put in the sweetener. You've got to put in the sugar, right? My mama used to add sugar and saccharin. All right? My mama knew how to make sweet tea. Now, she, was, she, she wasn't a perfect person, but she knew how to make tea. I'm telling you. We drank that stuff by the gallons. So anyway, I said, no, just give me some water. I'm gonna so I got up and told this story when we got up there. to, And this woman said, oh, I'll make you some sweet tea. And she gave me Yankee tea. Now, what do you think what Yankee tea is? <laughs> she gave me this glass of water and a jar of powdered Nescafe tea. No, I'm a, I'm a committed where you eat what's put before you. Yes, ma'am, thank you. So it's so wonderful. So I make this tea and I chug it down. And I'm oh my goodness. We get done with this conference. We go back and we get back down into Virginia. I go into this restaurant again, not the same one, different one. And I say to him, "Have you got any sweet tea?" And she said, "Honey, that's all we serve." I said, "I'm back in God's country again, right?" Oh my goodness. So anyway, that's my idea about sweet tea. But anyway, sit out on the porch and drink some sweet tea. You know. Just relax. That's what you think. But here's what he says. This is amazing. 
As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me, as my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Now therefore give me this mountain where the Lord spake in that day, for thou hearest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If it so be the Lord will be with me, then I will be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Now here's this man, and here's what he says. I'm just as ready and strong as I was when we came out of Egypt. Eighty-five years old. He says, I'm ready. And, and what, here's the faith that this man has in God. He says, I am able to fight. I've got the same strength. And I'm able to go out and to come in. Now that's faith in God, right? He didn't say, I'm able to go out. But he says, I'm able to go out and come back. Kind of like what I talked about this morning about Abraham. We're going to go up the mountain and worship God and we are going to come back again. That's faith in God. And he says to him, you remember what this was like? Now, this was, the rest of the people had heard about these things. Caleb had seen it. And and God had told him, I'm going to give you this mountain. Here was where the Anakims, they were giants. These were the walled cities. These were the giants. These were the guys that had the, the chariots of iron and the massive armies. He knew exactly what he's going up against. And you know what? He didn't say, give me this valley. He said, give me the mountain. I'm, I'm going to go uphill and fight this battle. And I'm going to win it. I'm going to go up and I'm going to defeat these people. And I'm going to come back down again. What faith in God. What the, Brethren, we've got a promise from the Lord of glory on this great truth that He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He will build His church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We're on the winning side. We read this morning that we have the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. It looks like we're defeated. And everybody whispers in our ears, you're defeated. You're over with. You're done. No, we're not. We're not. In the end, we're going to win. They might win a couple of battles, but we're going to win the war. I, I saw a movie or part of a movie one time years ago. It was about a place in Vietnam. They called it Hamburger Hill. And the reason, they, I don't know the whole story behind it, but the, but the reason they called it Hamburger Hill because these, this, this army, this, this American army was, was moving up this hill and they were just getting, the, the Vietnamese were on the top of the hill just mowing them down. And they'd get up part of the way up the hill and they'd be so beat back, they'd go back down the hill. And then they go up again, and they come. And I don't know how many hundreds of soldiers died trying to take that hill, but that's the reason they call it a hamburger hill because it was just a massive bo- a group of, 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 of bodies, American bodies, laying there, torn apart by enemy fire. Hardest thing to do is fight up a hill, right? One of the reasons that the that the that the Union Army won in Gettysburg was because some of the wise and prepared Union um, leaders, the the generals and colonels and different, took the higher place, took the higher part of the hill, and were able to fight, looking down at the enemy, while the enemy is trying to come up. So Caleb says, "Give me the mountain. Up on that mountain on top, there's a city." 
And at that city of wall, city, there's a bunch of giants there, but you let me at them and I'll take care of them and I'll go up and I'll come back again. Not because he had faith in himself, but because he had faith in God. <laughs> what an example. <laughs> this is an old man. What an example that is to us. And he takes the city, and the city he changes it to the name of Hebron. And you know what the beautiful thing about this city was? I, I just love this. He won this city, and he gave it back to the Lord. He gave it back to the Levites. And it became one of the cities of refuge. What a man. All this effort, all this time he'd been waiting. 45 years he'd been chumming this bit at the bit to get at these giants, to win this city. And when he gets it, he turns it back over to the Lord and says, It's yours. And he gives us to the Levites for a city of refuge. What an encouragement it is to my heart. I hope it is to yours. Because the very best that we can do, dear brethren, the very best that we can accomplish in our lives is all for the glory of God. We don't give Him the worst. We give Him the best that we have. We, give him, we want to give Him our greatest accomplishments. We want to give Him our greatest efforts. We want to give Him of the strength of all our youth, of all our lives, we want to give over to Him. And it's only right because he gave his best to us, didn't he? He didn't give his worst. He didn't give. He didn't give something. I, 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 I thought about it this morning, and I said it this morning. How cheap our salvation would have been if it all if God could have purchased your salvation and my salvation with the blood of a bunch of bulls and goats. Well, how cheap it would have been if an angel could have died for us, or if another man could have died for us. How cheap our salvation would have been. But our salvation was purchased at the greatest price that could have been paid, the life of the Son of God. That's how precious our salvation is and how precious we are to Him. Brethren, if He's done that for us, what can we do for him? I think one of the, the, the great thoughts, and Count Zinzendorf, of course, you've heard this story, but he was one of the, the, the uh, leaders of the Moravians who, who are the uh, founders of, of what's called modern-day missions. And the thing that changed his life when he saw that, that picture of the Lord Jesus hanging on a cross, and down below it had these words, All of this I've done for thee, what hast thou done for me? Wow. What a thought. What a thought. The Lord Jesus did it all. Well, Caleb had a great influence on other people during his life. Let's look at verse 13 of chapter 15. And unto Caleb, the son of Japheth, he gave a part among the children of Judah, according to the command of the Lord to Joshua, even the city of Arba, the father of Anak, which city is Hebron. And Caleb drove thence the three sons of Anak, Sheshai and Ahiman and Talmai, the children of Anak. And he went up thence to the inhabitants of Deber, and the name of the Deber was uh, Kirjath Sefer. And Caleb said, He that smiteth Kirjath Sefer, and taketh it, taketh, it, taketh it, to him will I give Aksha, my daughter to wife. And Othniel, the son of Kinza, the brother of Caleb, took it, 
and he gave him actually his daughter to wife. Now here was here was Othniel, Caleb's nephew. I, I don't know how old he was at this particular time, but he had been living and watching his uncle for years during those wanderings in the wilderness, during that crossing of the red of the of the Jordan River and coming in the land those five years of the battle. He'd heard his uncle talk about let me at the city, let me at this this giant these giants and their walled cities and their chairs, let me at them. And what an effect it had on Othniel, this young man. So that when Caleb said, Whoever takes this city can have my daughter, Othniel said, Here I am. Let me get let me at him. Let me go. I think one of the weaknesses in our families and one of the weaknesses in our local assemblies is that sometimes our children and our young people don't see us as adults on fire for the Lord Jesus. They don't see us excited about the things of the Lord. Excited about the the work in the local assembly. Excited about sharing the gospel with other people. It becomes kind of a, a routine. And sometimes when we don't put much emphasis on it, when we have, for whatever reason, uh, leave off the, the meetings of the assembly, uh, leave off the work of the Lord, put, put greater emphasis or give more effort or time into other things, they're going to follow our example. But if they see us serving the Lord with all our heart, with all our strength, and loving Him, that's the example that they have. Um, talking some some the other day about uh, just different ones who um, who sometimes you see good men, um, leaders in the local assembly, elders, committed workers, missionaries, and their children are off. They've gone off into the world, turned away. Totally from Christ, and and everyone stands and falls before the Lord on their own. Um, everyone has to has to come to a place of personal uh, understanding and acceptance of the gospel, personal responsibility before God. That's absolutely true. But by the same token, what an example we live for our children is what they're going to follow. And, and if we get our children, one of the things that we did from our, for our children, and of course we started in a town where there was, there was no work going on. There was a small Baptist meeting in the town where we were in Spain. And, and we had to, that's all we had. We didn't have anybody else. For the first four years, it was my family. That was it. Four years of sharing the gospel and nobody got saved. We met together in my home. Most of the time there was an assembly close by we went to from time to time. But for four years, it was us. And so my kids folded tracks. My kids went out on the street when we preached the gospel. They went out and shared the gospel with people too. I can remember seeing some of them, my daughters and different ones, talking to people on the street um, about the gospel. They went out door to door. They went out with us and were involved in the work. And I think the Lord honored that. And and I'm not boasting in myself. I didn't do anything. The Lord Lord did a great work in my children in, in spite of me in so many ways. But I think part of the reason that they've gone on for him and are involved heavily in the work in the local assemblies is because they they lived their lives from that from the moment they were young. And what are we teaching our children, brethren? 
What if, if, if you ask your children, what do you think the most important thing is, or if I ask your children, what do you think the most important thing is in your parents' life, and they were honest, what would they say? What would they say? Job? Career? The vacation home? The boat? The golf clubs? What would they say are the most important things to you and to me? Our children see us and they follow our example. And it's so important for us, dear brethren, as, as parents and as grandparents, to, to pass on a godly inheritance to our children and encourage them in the things of the Lord and give them opportunity in serving the Lord as far as we possibly can. And God will honor that. And here was Othniel. He saw his uncle. He saw his commitment to the Lord. He saw his faith in the Lord. He saw his strength in the Lord. He saw his courage in the Lord. And he saw an example that he was able to follow after. I'll do it. Let me at him. And so he gave him his daughter to wife. Now, this is beautiful. I, I, I just love this. Verse 17, And Othniel, the son of Kinza, the, the brother of Caleb, took it, and he gave him Axis, his daughter, to wife. And it came to pass that she uh, came upon him, that she moved him to ask of her father a field, and she lighted down off her donkey, and Caleb said unto her, What wouldest thou? Now here's this young girl. As, as a wedding gift, he gave her a field. This is beautiful. And, she's, and he comes, she, she comes back, back to Caleb and he says, What do you want? And she answered him and said, Give me a blessing, for thou hast given me a southland. Give me also the springs of water. And he gave her the upper springs and the nether springs. Here's what she said. You give me a land? Huh, that's not enough. Give me the water. Because I don't want just a land. I want a fruitful land. I want a land that's going to bring forth fruit. I don't want just a possession. I don't want just something. I want something that's going to have value for my life. And look at Caleb. Beautiful picture of the Lord. He gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. Doesn't God always give us beyond that which we're able to think? Doesn't He always give us more than we ever asked for? <laughs> what a wonderful thing. And so when God gives us, brethren, let's not be satisfied with just having stuff. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, whom there's no variation or shifting. Everything we have comes forth. But let's not be happy with just stuff. Let's say, Lord, I want this stuff to have eternal value. I want it to have eternal reward. I want it to be fruitful in my life. And God will hear. And God will give. That's what He wants. What a daughter. And again, she saw this in her father. She knew her father's heart. She knew her father's life and, and what he desired for her as well. And so she came to him, not begging him. She came to him, not with a, a, a haughty or pride. She came to him in humility. And yet she came to in, into his presence with confidence. And that's what we do with God. We come in with boldness, not a cockiness, but an absolute assurance, an absolute confidence that the Lord is going to hear and answer our prayers far beyond what you and I think or ask. And God gave her the springs, and she was fruitful.
Now I want to, I've got just a couple of minutes and I want to just share one more thing about Othniel. Uh, judges. Now we know that the people of God, the children of Israel were faithful. It says at the end of Joshua, the beginning of Judges, they were faithful all the lifetime of Joshua, all the lifetime of the elders that lived during the, the time of Joshua. But then they fell into this horrible, wicked um, cycle. And they forgot the Lord. They mingled with the people of the, of the country, of uh, the nations uh, that they had left behind. They began to worship their gods. God gave them over. They were, became slaves to the people because you're always going to be a slave to sin. You're always going to be a slave to the thing you give yourself over to. And so they became slaves. And then after a time they would repent. They would cry out to God. He would hear them, send them a, a judge, a savior. He would free them. They would, be, they would have peace in the land for a certain amount of time. And they'd fall right back in the same old trap. And it was just a cycle over and over and over again throughout the book of Judges. Othniel is the first judge. Chapter 3 of Judges. We'll start out of verse 6. And they took their daughters, the daughters of the uh, Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. They took their daughters to be their wives and gave their daughters to their sons and they served their gods. The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and forgot the Lord their God and served Balaam and the groves. Therefore, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he sold them into the hand of Cushan-Rish. Athiam, king of Mesopotamia. And the children of Israel served Cushan, Cushan, Rish, Athiam, eight years. Now, now Cushan, if you got, if you got a, like a side note in your Bible, is he was an Ethiopian. And Cushan, and, and, and Rish, Athiam, here's what it means Ethiopian of double wickedness. Now, what mama would call their boy, you, right here you're born, you Ethiopian of double wickedness. That's what I'm going to name you. I mean, what name this mama thought for her kid? You know? I, I don't know. I mean, it's just crazy to me. But anyway, he, that's what his name was. And it says that when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer to the children of Israel who delivered them even Othniel, the son of Kinza, Caleb's younger brother. Here he was. The, the elders were gone. Joshua was gone. Caleb was gone. All these men who had served the Lord for years and, and fought the battles to win the, win the land were, were gone. And here's Othniel. And it says, they deli- God delivered Israel by his hand. Verse 10, And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he judged Israel, and went out to war. And the Lord delivered Cushan Rish Athiam, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand. And, he, and his hand prevailed against Cushan Rish Athiam, and the land had rest forty years. And Othniel, the son of Kinza, died. Here he is. There was, a, there was apostasy all around him. There was a turning away from the Lord all around him. There was, there was a rejection of the truths of God, rejection of the Lord, rejection of His principles, rejection of His law, rejection of His sacrifices, rejection of His worship. And here was Othniel who stood in the gap as a different man. And he judged Israel and he delivered them out of the hand of this man of double wickedness. What a picture of the Lord Jesus, right? Because the man of double wickedness had every one of us right in his grasp. He had every one of us 
right in His control. We were slaves to Him. And then the Lord Jesus Christ comes along. and says, You know why? Othniel was of the tribe of, of Judah. And you know what his name means? Lion of God. <laughs> Lion of God. The Lion of the tribe of Judah. Comes in and saves his people. And you know why he was able to do that? Because he had seen the faithfulness of God in the lives of men like Caleb. And he had seen the faithfulness of men in the service of God like his uncle Caleb. And he was able, even in this time of, of great turning away when men were just leaving off the Lord and going the path of the world and going the path of, of, of wickedness, he was able to stand up and not only win the battle, but turn Israel around. And it says, and they had peace for 40 years. Brethren, we need some Othniels today, don't you think? We need some men like Othniel today that will say, I'm going to stand up and fight for the Lord's people. I'm going to stand up and I'm not going to allow Satan to have the victory in the end. I'm not going to let him destroy this local assembly, this local testimony. I'm not going to let him destroy the lives of people that I care about. I'm going to stand up for him and I'm going to fight the battle of the Lord. And through this one man, peace was brought to the nation of Israel. We need some Caleb's. We need some Joshua's. We need some Othniel's today, brethren. Because we're in days of difficulty, days of dangerous spiritual condition in the church of Jesus Christ. But God's not done with us yet. And in the end, the church will prevail over the gates of hell over the prince of the power of the air, over the God of this world, and we will, in the end, be more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Our Father and our God in heaven, we thank you so much. I'm so grateful tonight that we have recorded in this book. It's amazing because this book is so small, so tiny, in comparison to the amount of history, amount of information that it covers. And yet, Lord, you have deemed by your spirit to choose out certain events, certain facts, certain information to give us. And we read in Corinthians that these things are written for our learning, that we might see in these men and women uh, examples to follow, realizing that they were in similar conditions that we find ourselves today, and yet they stood firm for you against the great tide of sin, against the great tide of apostasy, against, against the great tide of, of, of immorality and wickedness around them. And Father, they made a difference. We want to make a difference. We want to be used of you to bring glory to your Son, the Lord Jesus, and to further the purposes that he has in the world until he comes, which is seeing men and women, boys and girls, not only come to Christ, but be made disciples of him. And so, Father, give us courage, give us strength, give us fortitude, give us absolute confidence and faith in you and not in ourselves, and bring glory to us or to yourselves through us. Father, that's what Christ deserves. He deserves that and so much more because of the great price that he paid for us. We pray that you would hear our prayer and you would do these things for his sake. 
and for his glory. Amen. Thank you so much. Appreciate it.